Texas Mur- Murder Castle, by the way. That's the hashtag for this episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. I'm Scott Elfstrom. And joining us today are two more Michaels, Michael Bennett and Michael Coronado from the Texas Files podcast. And we're going to have a conversation today about more weird and wild stories and legends from Texas. It is our Halloween episode after all. (laughs) (laughs) But first, we're going to let our guests pick the question for this week. What is your favorite horror movie that is based in the state of Texas? Ooh, good question. Does uh, does Hope Floats count? <laughs> the ending's pretty sad, so yes, I'll give that one to you. Oh, okay, well, if, if it doesn't count, I, I guess I'll just take the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it is a freaking scary movie. And it, you know, did set off Toby Hooper's cocaine addiction for 30 years, so <laughs> I'll go with that one. Sorry for partying. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say... The Great Bruce Campbell in Bubba Hotep. Oh, I forgot that one was in Texas. That That's is, a great one. That is in Texas. I almost said Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. Yeah. I wanted to really shake it up. But I think Bubba Hotep, that movie, eminently rewatchable. Yeah. A beautiful film. A perfect film if you haven't watched it, folks. Put sand in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sat next to Mike and I watched that at a movie theater and I don't think I've ever seen Mike laugh so hard. Oh, so so can't go wrong with Mr. Campbell. Oh my gosh, such a great film. Uh, well, I'm going to have to pick uh, that classic of horror cinema, uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is based on real-life Texas events. And uh, we actually talked about that movie in detail uh, almost uh, right about a year ago in episode number 164 should check that out. It's maybe not one of the most classic films you'll ever see, but uh, it has its own uh, horrific charm. Feel free to fast forward through that one, folks. <laughs> yes, but it's, uh, it's the, a classic. The movie, the movie, not the <laughs> podcast. Not our episode, of course, but the, the movie itself, yeah. Or YouTube the clips. <laughs> Just Challenge Dread Sundown, Trombone. That's all you need to, like, Google. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, Michael B. over here, and uh, I think my favorite uh, horror movie with, based in Texas would be House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm. I like it because it's got all these different serial killers like from the real world kind of incorporated in the movie. It's got a lot of creepy clowns and just middle of nowhere Texas. And uh, you know there's somewhere in Texas that has a creepy house like that that's just a murder castle that's somewhere in Texas that hasn't been found yet. So that's right. extra scary. So you said creepy clowns. That means Scott is totally out. He's oh yeah. <laughs> I've I've mostly dealt with that uh, my <laughs> clown fear. I haven't seen Knox I Ball, haven't maybe. seen Poltergeist in probably twenty five years. So I think I'm good. Uh, Texas Mur- Murder Castle, by the way, that's the hashtag for this episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> All right, so, Mike Coronado, you're you're up. Is Mike C? So I'm gonna go with. You know, since we're talking Texas, and I'm going to cheat just a little bit because they had to go through Texas to get there. But um, from dusk till dawn, it takes place just outside of Texas and Mexico, I believe. That's fair. Yeah, no, exactly. That totally counts. 
it's like yeah. probably the only believable George Clooney action movie I've ever seen. Because, yeah. All the other ones, I don't believe them. Um, and my favorite actor ever, yeah, Danny Trejo's in that, right? Yeah, I'm, of course. Okay. It's a Mexican movie. Exactly. exactly. How could you not He's have in. Yeah, how could And Cheech Marin, too. And Fred Williamson. Yeah. Michael Pat. Oh, Marks. man. John Saxon. That's, that's amazing. That's a stacked Julia cast. Lewis. Yeah. Right? And that was uh, Robert Rodriguez directed. So it's a Texas director as well. So I think, yeah. I think we can count that one. Oh, did, yeah. did Robert Rodriguez direct it? Or he directed was it? it. It was, it was oh, Tarantino's okay. first script. That's right. But first Tarantino was in it because that's George Clooney's side, yeah, his Tarantino's, brother, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's why, that's why I couldn't remember. That's a good one. The that's tragic tale movie. of the that's Gecko a, Brothers. And let's not forget, all bow our heads down to young Selma Hayek. Oh, yeah. oh, the snake dance. <laughs> <laughs> We Stay, saw that in theater too. Sean and I saw that in the theater two years yeah. ago. That was a great film. Santanical Pandemonium. <laughs> Good movie. Love it. Crazy movie. Today we're going to talk some more about weird and wild, wacky stories from Texas. But first, Mike C, Mike B, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the Texas Files and what they can expect if they listen to it? I think. What you got to remember at the heart of it, it's two buddies kind of going back and forth about silly stuff going on in Texas. Uh, that's probably the first and foremost. If someone's going to come to our show, don't look for um, – just from my perspective, don't expect to learn anything. Just expect to I have a good disagree. time. Just expect to have a good time. We have the research, but there's also <laughs> going to be uh, us trying to be funny about it and just trying to make it a little bit lighter to deal with because some of the topics we cover are – you know, serial killers and murders and demons and stuff. So we try to lighten it up as much as possible when allowable. And uh, just try to explore like a lot of the, the fun, different folklores and history of Texas. Uh, you know, everything from like uh, Indian warfare tactics to, to haunted hotels, just to kind of run the gambit. What did, what drew you guys to, uh, to, to make this show about all these paranormal and strange things in Texas? Honestly, and, Michael can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we just like the name. We were, t- we were talking about doing a, uh, a podcast, and we wanted to do something kind of in our wheelhouse, and that was definitely going to be something paranormal, something kind of out there. And uh, we were deciding on a name. We were deciding what we, could, what we could do, and I just came up with the name TX Files. And then I think I texted Michael, yeah. and I was like, look, dude, TX Files, and we just cover the weird, crazy stuff that goes on in Texas. <laughs> and I think like a week later, we recorded our first episode. Yeah, it was pretty much like that. Like uh, We were kind of wanting to start off and just kind of do a, a paranormal show, I guess. But you know, there's a there's a lot of really good ones out there already. And so we were just kind of talking, like, how can we kind of be our own little thing? And then he came up with the name, and, and it was like, oh, yeah, Texas is, in, is insane. This yeah, is not going to be hard. Exactly. This might be easier, actually. So it's a uh, it's been fun. Well, I can tell you when we told people we're making a, a Texas history podcast, they said, "What are you gonna do when you run out of topics?" Yeah. So there's no Move shortage of history yeah. or weird things in Texas. So we're glad you guys yeah. are celebrating Texas and making uh, your great show. So check out the Texas Files. And we do end every episode with a Florida story, just so you remember we're not the craziest. <laughs> Worst state. <laughs> We're the Titanic Kathy Bates. Yeah. They're the misery Kathy Bates. Exactly. We're the cool fun Kathy Bates. I don't know if we have a lot of Florida listeners. There's, we there's not a lot of headlines. Of <laughs> say there's, there's not a lot of headlines that I see hit Twitter that say, begin with Texas man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. 
Now, we have made a tradition of having a special Halloween episode to talk about the strange things in Texas history. Our first episode covered some old-time ghost stories and legends in Texas history, such as the Jug Hunter and El Muerto. Our second was on haunted buildings in Texas. And we have covered some other strange stories, such as the White Rock Lady Demon and the haunted railroad tracks in San Antonio. What are some of the more interesting stories that you guys have uncovered in your spooky travels through the dark side of Texas? Anything you want to highlight? Uh, I think the first one that uh, I think it was our first episode, but it was a kind of a cryptid, which is the word we use for like unknown animals, unknown creatures. So the cryptid was uh, Lechuza, which is a half witch, half bird creature. And I hadn't been really familiar with it. And then Michael had had some some real life firsthand experiences with this <laughs> with said creature. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad to be alive, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> What is La Lechuza? I looked up La Lechuza, and all I saw was a bunch of old pictures of Mexican and Tejano guys holding up big owls that they'd show. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, Lechuza is uh, Espanol for owl. Lechuza is oh. Espanol for owl. Correct, Michael. But more importantly, look, the, the real facts here are a Lechuza is a scorned woman. That's her origin story. Excuse me. Her origin is she was a scorned woman. She was crossed somehow by a man. And now her goal is to seek vengeance on other men. A lot of times she'll appear in times of in times of turmoil or when someone's consumed a little too much cervezas. Uh, <laughs> that that typically t uh, tends to be the trend right there. So let's say you're drunk and you're arguing with your wife. You step outside to go have a beer, and if you're not careful, the lechuza, the half woman, she she has an owl body, but the face of a woman. So horrifying. And uh, she'll come and visit you and she'll chase you down. And so what we kind of found by going through that, the story we kind of knew from Texas and Mexican folklore was what we kind of tried to find on our show is the similarities between Texas folklore and the rest of the world. So we were able to find like harpies from Greek mythology and uh, some other ones. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, we, we always try to look for, you know, Everyone else's, you know, Africa, Asia, Europe. We always try to find some other monsters that are related to uh, whatever we can find in Texas to see. Because, you know, it's a melting pot here, so you kind of got to look past and see where that came from originally. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mike, I listened to that episode, and, and you said there was like a story that you had of actually, I think your friend, when you were a kid, encountered this, this so, witch bat demon bird. Demon. <laughs> so this story, that the like when I was joking around earlier, first-hand experience— I'd never heard of this before, and then I had a little buddy spend the night, and while he was spending well, the night— you, you, He wasn't like a little buddy today. You were a little buddy, too. <laughs> well, I was 23, and he was yeah, 12. Yeah. It's I Michael mean, Jackson. Okay, you got away exactly. with it. It's not a big deal. So we were both children. We were probably eight—somewhere between eight and 12. I can't remember when exactly. And uh, he was a little Hispanic boy, and uh, so, so am I. And half of me. <laughs> and— uh, so he was hanging out, and we we're doing our thing, whatever. Long story short, the next morning, we wake up, and he tells me about the Lechuza. And he explains to me how I remember at the time we lived in an apartment complex, and we had a big glass sliding door to go out into the balcony. So we're, uh, he was telling me how he got up to go use the restroom or drink water, something like that. And he saw her sitting on the balcony, and he started swearing at her, and he started cussing at her. And I think he said he threw something. I don't remember about that exactly. But uh, a lighter, he right? threw a lighter. That's what it was. Yeah, he said he threw a lighter at her, and then she flew away. And that was like the first and probably the last time I'd ever heard of the Lechuza. But as I got older, 
I, I looked into it. I don't know why that story stuck with me my whole life, but uh, <laughs> it did. And thank goodness, because that was our first episode. And like I said, when we started doing the research, that's one way to get her to shoo her away, so to speak, is to swear at her. You got to swear at her and swear violently. <laughs> It's huh, really so, just an excuse by some like bad little kids to get away with swearing. It was what we really came down to. So basically what you're saying is that some drunk dudes a long time ago fighting with their, their old ladies saw a big, big, great, big bat. Uh, sorry, sorry, great, big, big, great, big owl. And we're like, started swearing at it because they're drunk uh, and said, oh, it's some witch demon, basically. That's, that's, kind that's, of, exactly, that's literally exactly how it probably exactly started. Exactly <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I saw it. Love it. Love the Chusa. Well, and it's like, it's kind of like, you know, the, the stories of the Chupacabra and, and, uh, uh, what's the, what's the one from Dallas? The, uh, the, oh, the, the goat man, goat man. Yeah. The story of the goat man, you know, it's like this stunted weird thing that probably is just like a, you know, a goat or we a covered that one too. Coyote Didn't your dad or something. have experience with the goat man? <laughs> no, he did not. Your dad had experience with the goat <laughs> he man. Did, he just happens to be from Dallas. He's, he's a listener. The goat man. He's a listener of, of Come and Take It as <laughs> he well. Does, he, yeah, he does listen to y'all. He's a big fan. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he's never listened to our show though. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, guys. Let me. Let, I think I'm not sure I can one up it, but I've got my own ghost story I want to talk about. Hear it. Uh, this is one called "The Devil with Chicken's Feet." <laughs> So there's a nightclub called El Camaracito, and it's off of uh, Highway 90, kind of near uh, Commerce. Uh, it's on the west side of San Antonio. That, and That's the Little Shrimp, right? Yeah, yeah, the Little Shrimp. That If I was going to open a popular <laughs> nightclub that was going to last for 45 years, I would call it the Little Shrimp. Who wouldn't? Who doesn't well, love shrimp? Well, when you go there, you know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, so El Camaracito's been there, but... Uh, apparently in 1975 on Halloween, there was a, a, a real party going and to locals who had seen this story said that there was some man showed up dressed all in white, you know, very John Travolta looking and he was a fabulous dancer and he had all the ladies lined up. He was dazzling them, but then he's dancing with this one woman and she looks down and happens to see his feet and she freaks out and starts screaming and break and like pushes away from him. And everyone looks down and notice that the man where they thought he'd been wearing shoes now had long clawed feet like chickens. Um, the, some people say they were goat hooves. Some people say they were chicken feet. Um, there's a fantastic illustration of a John Travolta suit wearing guy with chicken feet from an old Texas monthly I found. Uh, but, uh, they have a lot of good ones in the monthly. They do. They, they, so the crowd freaks out. He dashes to the bathroom, uh, and then apparently he dives out a window in a cloud of sulfur, apparently. Um, so, and then there was probably a lot of everybody crossing themselves and a lot of, <laughs> I'm sure, a lot of Hail Marys and, and other crazy swearing stuff. Swearing make said. it go away. And yeah. what year was this? This was 75. Okay. Happened. Now, the so, club is actually still there, and apparently... Uh, if you put in Camarcito, it the first the first like seven links on Google come up around this story, uh, and it's about like you got to get like to page two of Google before it tells you that Camarcito actually means little shrimp. So, so as you probably guys know from the first episode uh, and the second episode, Halloween episode we did, especially with the buildings, 
I'm the skeptic. I love these stories, but I'm the skeptic. So I'm going to say 1975, guy's a really good dancer wearing all white. It's a disco. And then all of a sudden his feet turn into chicken feet or, or goat hooves. I'm going to say the Coke that night was really, really powerful. It was cocaine's a hell of a drug. So that's what I'm, I'm going to say. It's a bad Coke trip all around. Somebody was doing some bumps in the bathroom. And really freaked out. They were that, probably that's... just like really weird looking shoes. Someone was drunk, had some nose candy. Yeah. So yeah. this is a story that I remember hearing as a kid. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I can really say, it's from, it's just, you know, I, I feel like it's a Hispanic thing. And I've talked to other Hispanic. Uh, I told the same story, just like the Lechuza mm. and the La Llorona and all this stuff. But. When I was told this story, the, the guy always has green eyes. He's a super attractive guy mm-hmm. with green eyes, and he woos women like with his dance moves and, and, and with his eyes. And they're fixed on his face, and they're fixed on him. And then the, at the end, uh, when the lights turn on in the club or the bar or wherever they're at, that's when they realize he has hooved feet or chicken feet. But I promise, when I was told this story, I was a kid. I wasn't told this. This wasn't a story. This was a fact that happened to a relative <laughs> or something along the line. So it was probably until I was 16 that I realized somebody was probably lying somewhere. And uh, maybe the story wasn't as true as I believed it to be. Wow. <laughs> wow. I just, I, I just, I was like looking up San Antonio ghost stories. And I was like, I've never heard this story. I've heard other interesting tales of, of, you know, Texas black magic and white magic and kudenderas and the whole thing, but not the the chicken dancing story I'd never heard. So <laughs> I might have missed well, it and I apologize. Do they ever explain in your story, does it explain who he is or what he is? No, no, that nobody knows who he is. He's a stranger who's just a beautiful stranger who who woos the ladies and dances the night away. So as a kid, we were told it was the devil. It was the devil coming to earth to just pretty much have a good time. Hey guys, I'm not crazy. I'm pretty sane. Uh, I just like a good story. Do you think, Mike, do you think this is, to to be a skeptic, but to bring it back kind of, do you think this is like an urban legend to, uh, uh, for, of the time to like discourage the, the dancing and going out and, and the partying that was the, you know, abuelas telling their, their granddaughters, don't go to the, the disco, you know, there's the devil in there and he's going to seduce you. You think it's like kind of something like that where it's really, it's an object. It's like a, it's like an object lesson of, you know, there's definitely, a devil there that's going to, that's going to take you away. Definitely that. And then just to be leery of going to men and strangers yeah. and whatnot, you know, sticking to people, you know, and stuff like that. That's kind of the, the way I was the way the story was told from what I remember. It was more of a cautionary tale to, of, of meeting strangers, m- meeting strangers in a strange place, um, meeting pretty people, you know, because I don't trust pretty, pretty people. I am pretty, yeah, but exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely believe so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this was a time when this was a time when, you know, someone like Henry Lee Lucas or someone like uh, who was the guy that would use the van, uh, the serial Bundy? killer. Bundy, yeah, Ted, the Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy was a good-looking guy, you know, and he yeah. would. So this was a time when there was like serial killers out there luring in women and murdering them. So good old days. <laughs> uh, so, so speaking of strange, weird stories, Scott, uh, 
you know, we talked a little bit about a story that we that I'd found. It was the Hairy Man Road. Did you did you get yeah um, kind of dig into that one a little bit? Yeah, well, I just thought it's interesting. You know, we've this kind of is an interesting story for me because it kind of crosses all the lines of uh, different things that we've talked about on the show. It's kind of the intersection of uh, weird street names, um, weird, you know, scary stories, and also, um, you know, the many, many different festivals scattered across Texas. They kind of all come together in this one story. So there's a road in Round Rock, Texas called Harry Man Road. And you see a street sign like that and you got to think there's there's a story behind that somehow. Um, well, it turns out that the story is the legend is that there was a young boy that got separated from a, uh, a caravan, like a settler's wagon train traveling through Texas on a dark and stormy night. And he ended up raising himself in the woods. Um, he was uncivilized and was this wild person and he just grew up there on his own and he terrorized anyone that entered his territory um and this is in the a wooded area you know um so he would frighten stagecoaches and solitary riders that came through there and the story says that one day horses came through and uh pulling a speeding stagecoach and trampled him to death and that <laughs> was the end of his uh reign of terror um, but that's not the end of the legend, of course. You know, here's the story that came down through the years, and people in modern times were continuing to say that in that area, they were frightened by a very hairy man lurking in the bushes along the side of the road. Um, of course, you know, teenagers would use this in their thrill-seeking uh, and in uh, the effort to encourage their date to, uh, you know, find some solace in their arms. Um <laughs> The fun part about it, though, is, you know, they took there's a spooky story, which is where the road got its name. But then uh, around 1994, in the subdivision in that area, they started this annual festival called the Harry Man Festival. Um, <laughs> you know, and they have food and music and games and all that stuff you'd expect at a county fair. Don't want like to get that Harry Man Festival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally different. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and of course, the grand finale is the Hairiest Man Contest. So, um <laughs> Everyone, you know, oh. can can be make their attempt to be uh, the namesake of Harry Man Road, I guess. But oh. anyway, I thought that was a fun little little story that uh, kind of intersects all those things that we've talked about. That's crazy. A mad hermit in the woods. Yeah, and it probably did have a root of something that it probably really was a weirdo prospector yeah. or some weird dude that lived there in the 1800s and would come out and spew frontier gibberish at people and maybe did get trampled by a stagecoach and it's kind of the germ of the story and it just people kept repeating it over the years but i, th I think it's great that the town you know the, the neighborhood owns it that's awesome yeah but that 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 hairy man contest that that's got to be some <laughs> that's got to be one for the record yeah. books right there well i so don't know how i've never heard of this <laughs> <laughs> well head on up to round rock and you know so, so this leads us to, so we've got, we've had some stories about, you know, legends in the area and urban legends and scary stories, but now, you know, you got a, you got a road, it's a location or something crazy or strange that happened in a location. So Mike, Michael B, you know, we, you and I talked about uh, another weird location in Texas that has a very strange backstory. So tell us a little bit about Camp Lulu. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so this is kind of the one of the ones that uh, 
you know, we were looking up trying to find some creepy stories and uh, came across this one in uh, Weird Texas uh, called Camp Lulu. And Camp Lulu originally was supposed to be a uh, like a Girl Scout camp, a, sum- a girl summer camp in uh, Brownsville, Texas. And uh, we don't really have an exact date on when the legend began. Uh, but from what we're going to tell later, uh, this kind of story kind of comes back around. We could probably figure out when it started. Uh, the story kind of goes that, you know, it's basically Friday the 13th where – not you know the, the movie where someone goes crazy in the camp and they murder the the campers, right? You know we've heard it, we've seen a million movies about it, and it's kind of passe at this point. But and then and the story keeps going like this that you know they they killed all these kids and then uh, the counselor got away was never caught again and that the current owner, if you go there and try to get on the land, he'll chase you off, and he's either. You know, trying to protect the the souls of the innocent as they cross over to the next dimension, or he's just tired of drunk high school kids. So we were trying to find out, like, you know, where this story come from, because like you can't really find any obituaries or anything in the news about it. So kind of like a lot of the other things on our show is, it's um, you know, you kind of have to kind of look around to find how this started, since you kind of have to assume most of these stories are BS to start. And so we did a little looking and uh, came across what we think this story was based on and it's right across the state in Oklahoma originally. And there, there was a, uh, uh, a camp called camp Scott and us girl scouts were murdered in their tents. And this story, it starts off like months before camp, they find a note in a box in a ransacked counselor's cabin that says it's, they're going to kill three counselor, three, three campers. And they don't tell anyone about it. And then the kids all come up there, and within a couple nights, this has happened. And uh, they they can't find anybody. And eventually, they you know some people are uh, hunting in the woods behind it, and they find a cave. And this cave has stuff someone's been living in there, and actually has the glasses they had stolen from the girls he murdered. And so, all, but the guy never was caught. He always got away. And so, I think we can look directly at that story. And kind of see the crossover through the Camp Lulu story. You know, you have the girls being killed by by camp counselors. You know, never's caught. And uh, but the the true story is a lot more messed up than uh, the ghost story or the creepy story would be, because it's just uh, pretty much everything you can see think of in like any kind of slasher movie was in this. And uh, it's something to go check out. I, I heard a, a true crime all the time unsolved just did a really good uh, episode on it. If you'd like a little more on that one, but. Uh, Pretty gory and uh, pretty disturbing, I think. So, so was there, was there really like, was there really like a camp near Brownsville that was closed, and then this story that from another location kind of got grafted on to that location, yes. or okay, yes. So there was a camp Lulu in Brownsville, and there's no, they know where their property is there, and then uh, in 1977 is when the Girl Scouts murders happened, okay. and this is kind of around the time. I mean, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 76, I think. Uh, the you know, slasher genre is kind of starting up. And uh, just kind of, I think it's you know, not, not too far of a leap to kind of see where, you know, maybe the camp got closed down. No one really knew why. And some smart guy just makes up this, oh, yeah, the guy got murdered like uh, like that. And so I kind of think that they just kind of borrowed from the Oklahoma story. And it became kind of its own creepy Texas ghost story from that. What I find interesting on this one is because when we were sending out notes talking about this, this was when I, I did some reading and I pinged some folks to say, like, 
do you you know this story just as a couple of Brownsville locals but but what I found interesting was is the some of the collected stories about this you find a lot of people it's like I, I drove past here and you can you can hear the screams yeah. you can hear the screams at night and it's like yeah but I don't I don't really know that anybody was actually killed there uh, yeah. <laughs> there's also a lot of panthers down there yeah. <laughs> who scream <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, and Friday, Friday the Thirteenth came out in 1980, and oh, then, yeah. uh, when did uh, what was the other one with the the boy that was really a, it was a girl that was really a boy? Sleepaway Camp. Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp. That was around then too. The movie yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. No, but I guess the point is, is like it's 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 one of those things that's like it's it's gr- there's. There's a story, there's a real camp, it gets closed, and nobody really kind of probably knows. Probably the reason it got closed is because somebody, the people that ran it were shysters who yeah. you know, spent all their money and weren't able to manage their money the right way, and it closed down. That's it. That's, that's the story. But it doesn't make any sense that it closed down because everybody loved it. Then, you know, so it's like, oh, I heard this story in Oklahoma. What? And then we see this stupid movie about yeah. this old lady that kills all these people because they made fun of her kid uh you know and then all of a sudden oh yeah that's what happened clamp lulu there was murders and it was a big story everybody knew about it and then but it's hushed up like so it's like it it feeds into that again into that you know we got to have a reason for things gotta you gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta texas has to take these things over that's that's the big thing yeah (laughs) so so there's a similar story that um it's kind of a two-part story, but there's a similar story, a location in Wichita Falls, oh. um, which I grew up near, you know, when I was a kid, we lived near Wichita Falls in these small towns. Um, the white sanitarium in Wichita Falls was this building. Um, and it was on the south side of town. It was this institutional style building built in 1926. It actually was a, it was an insane asylum, but it was the sanitarium for, for you know, for, for people. And the, back in those days, you know, you didn't treat people. You just locked them away in a building and, you know, let them rot. But, um, they actually had, did, were an early place that introduced psychoanalysts analysis to people and, and the drug therapy to people with, with psychiatric problems. So it was open until the 1950s and it closed and it stood abandoned for several decades. And of course, this is a fairly large building out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, where crazy people were at one point, so obviously, it very pick, quickly picks up the reputation for being haunted, uh, mostly by the kids who would break in there and do their drugs and drink and, you know, make out with the girls and stuff. So, you know, but everybody would say, oh, we hear these voices. You always hear these voices of young women or these children. And, and you'd hear you'd see you'd see you'd see people walking around smoking cigarettes. And, you know, those marijuana cigarettes are bad news, <laughs> folks. So, um, uh, well. <laughs> um, but anyway, ghost hunters went there in 2008, and they claimed that they got off the chart readings on their on their their uh, their devices, which I maintain I could probably get off the chart readings in my backyard um, with those devices. But anyway, um, and so but the thing was is like this was a local urban legend, and and it was it's a creepy place for many years. It's you know decrepit and falling apart. Well, the interesting thing is that this local developer learned that it was about to be demolished, so he bought it for $15,000, back taxes. Basically, he paid the, back, the tax bill to the city, picked it up, and then he spent a couple of years renovating it, and now it's a private residence for several member of his, members of his family, which to me, I, I'm looking for a real estate investment, and I'm going to look for a decrepit, 
crumbling insane asylum to move my family into. That's 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 right away. Um, but anyway, they, they say that the I found an interesting post on TripAdvisor and the family lives there said it's still haunted today, but they like it because um, it's it's not really they're not really evil spirits. Um, they hear sometimes a young woman's voice talking and singing, uh, and they uh, they usually heard children children's voices. But then they left Christmas presents out a couple of years ago, uh, and the Christmas presents uh, the basically the ghosts disappeared. So now the only thing that really happens is things get lost. They like disappear. Where they set set a remote control down uh, for a couple of days, it disappears and it comes back. Which I would maintain probably was still still there. You just weren't looking for it in the right place. But the where it ties in is this was part of the system. There were several, there were several insane asylums or sanitariums or whatever you want to call them, state hospitals in the Wichita Falls area. And there was one in Vernon, which is about forty miles away, and it's actually the Vernon State State Home. It's the place where they send people who are criminally insane. Um, and today, the most famous resident is Andrea Yates, who drowned her children. But when I was a kid in, in junior high, it was gospel truth that the real guy who was Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was in that place, and he was constantly sedated, so he could never escape. But he was there. Yeah. Um, because everybody took for true that what was said at the beginning of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this story is true. It's a oh, true yeah. story. It's totally made up. But everybody was sure Leatherface was in that insane asylum. So <laughs> it's like a grain of truth. Yes, there is a place where there are criminally insane people that are kept here. Uh, and then we take, we graft on that legend to it. So well, that, 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 that kind of falls in my, my wheelhouse of there are creepy things that happen, but it's for natural reasons that, that happen. So. Well, I don't know. Show of hands. Like, I, like, I don't think any, anybody on here wants to live in a haunted house, no matter what the bargain yes. is. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think we all pay saw more or less to live in a haunted house. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and we, you, you know, we all remember Poltergeist enough to be like, you don't, you don't mess with that stuff, man. That's what that show told and taught me. Um, and the skeptic, and me, the skeptic says, I don't want to live in these places that are so decrepit and so, so uh, uh, falling apart that they make weird noises and, you know, that they, that the, the sounds sound like they're haunted because probably they're more likely just to fall down. Yeah, and then well, the mold will kill you. That was one thing I liked about the uh, the Ghostbusters movie was that it was finally ghosts living in like a nice building. It's <laughs> <laughs> like this place is a dump. Why are, you, why are you guys hanging around here? Um, so all right, so these have been some fun stories to go through, but you know, I guess just kind of out there is like, why why do you think we have so many crazy ghost stories, haunting stories, uh, you know, all these interesting tales, like what? Do you think it's a more of a Texas thing than other places? Do you think we... I mean, I know, like, somebody out there in the Northeast is going to talk about Ichabod Crane and all that stuff. But I'm just saying, do you think we have, if not more than better, ghost well, stories in Texas? I don't remember. I think it was Sean uh, just a little while ago that said, you know, Texas, like many other places, but Texas especially, seems to have this pathological need to... Uh, incorporate everything into our state. So a lot of these stories may be originated somewhere else, but we have made our own versions of them. So um, it's all welcome in Texas. Yeah. And everything's bigger in Texas, so these stories have to be scarier 
for these <laughs> versions. And then, yeah, I think it definitely, like, I think the stories here in Texas are almost magnified in somewhat because you do have, you know, you have people immigrating from a whole bunch of different places. You have, you know, these people in the frontiers, you have Native American legends all kind of coming into one and trying to explain things, especially in the olden days where, you know, you didn't have a neighbor for 100 miles and things were a lot more mysterious. Uh, so I think Texas is a, is a great place for it. Uh, it might not have, you know, thousands of years of history like Europe or something, but uh, I think we've more than made up for it with all the war and Indian slaughter and all that. People of Eastern European background like myself who came to Texas, like they have plenty of crazy stories too. Um, well, you know, and you guys, one thing is, is that you guys haven't really been afraid to tackle some of the things that we haven't really covered just because, uh, you know, we just, we just haven't been able to cover them. We haven't really found the right approach to it, but you know, you guys have covered some of the real life, uh, frightening, horrifying things that have happened in Texas, like, True. uh, the, the servant girl annihilator story and, uh, uh, some of the serial killers, the, the killing fields of Texas, some of these things we haven't really had the right approach to, to, to the right angle really just to take, you guys have tackled those head on. So, you know, what, what, do you, what are your, you know, to me, like the real life horror stories are, are in many ways more compelling even than the, than the scary stories. What's, what is your take on some of these real life horror stories? This kind of goes back to the paranormal question as well. I think when you have a place with as much history as we do, and some of that history is not the most ideal or you'd rather forget, <laughs> I think sometimes it's easier to explain it away as the boogeyman or something along those lines. So, you know, to the uh, the little shrimp bar, um, you know, <laughs> if, if, a, if a woman was ever taken or had a horrible experience at a bar or something along those lines – it's much easier to say that it was the devil rather than people themselves are just yeah. not very good, you know? And I think with a place like Texas, like, and with the horror stories and, and with the legit, the, the Dean Corals, the servant girl annihilators with, with those stories, I think we've kind of just tackled it because to us, that's <clears throat> trying to say this where I don't sound like a weirdo. Mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, I guess I say that's, Maybe not just as interesting isn't the right word, but uh, something along that line. You, you know what I'm trying to say, Mike? It makes you feel like a man when you hear murder stories. Well, it is another part of the Texas story. I mean, Henry Lee Lucas is a very important person, you know, in his own way. He's a monster, a horrific monster. Yet at the same time, he's a Texan, you know, and he, he is an important part of of the story of Texas. I mean, he is the, he is the boogeyman of, of my childhood. Uh, this well, serial killer who was murdering and Otis Poole as well. Who's a little less known. Those guys, you know, once it was found out what all they did, you know, it is an important part of, of, of how we, how we cope today with crime and with, with, uh, uh, killing and things like that in the state. Well, with Henry and Lucas specifically, it changed the way people behaved in Texas. Not necessarily changed yeah. it, maybe, but everyone has a story. Everyone has, well, I had to come home at this time, or I was afraid of this or something like that. But people who were around during that time frame, they they remember that. And you can just say the name Henry Lee, Henry Lee Lucas, and depending on their age, they know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. And they may not mm -hmm. even be into that type of scene or whatever. 
Yeah, I, when I was when I was probably ten, uh, eight, eight, ten years old, we and my grandparents lived in the Odessa area, and there was three different serial killers operating in that area. Uh, hmm. There were women literally being snatched in the mall parking lot uh, and never seen again. So you know that was like. You know, we, we didn't go with my mother to the mall. My dad always went with us or my great great grandfather or my grandfather always went with us to the mall or to the shopping centers when we were there. there. My mom did, did not drive anywhere for several years in by herself out there. So, you know, it, it, you're right. It, it, it changed the way people operated and functioned in the state. And then when you get a real life, another real life horror story, you get John, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald is a is an important part. You know, the most famous thing to happen in Texas really is a horrific murder of the president. So um, and the frame up. Well, yeah, you're done, Michael. No, no. I mean, we, we, we've talked about some of that stuff. And, you know, definitely we know that there was a there was a conspiracy to switch the body of Lee Harvey allegedly. Oswald when he was buried. <laughs> we we actually talked about that. Well, I think too the thing that's interesting is that you know, so I would say to go back to the idea of like, is Texas better and or crazier? I would say that I th- I think that uh, you have a better chance of a horror movie made in Texas is going to be a better horror movie than a non one. It's there's no Minnesota Chainsaw Massacre, uh, and then I think the other thing too is that there's that, a real that just sounds weird. I know. Be very polite. You know, yeah. Well, I, I have a quick question. I mean, is Fargo are all horror movie? from Texas? Hmm? Yes. Okay. Because yeah, my next question was going to be: If not, do they have Colorado history, West Virginia history? Because in Texas, we specifically in seventh or eighth grade, you go over Texas history. No, 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 no. No, you do it in third grade and seventh grade. Was it third grade? You do it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah, are the two years I didn't go to Texas for school. And so I never got it. <laughs> well, so, I, so, I listen to y'all's podcast. That's kind of my Texas request. So not to digress too much, but other states do state-based history and things. Uh, but to be fair to those other states, their histories are not as interesting as ours. No. Um, <laughs> but Idaho history is very boring. Oh, it's a lot of potato math. Um, yeah, Colorado history was all, this guy climbed a mountain and then uh, <laughs> that's it. Well, that's and it. Uh, <laughs> Now we have weed. Now we have weed. <laughs> I want to jump back to, to something that the other – let's just have a little Michael discussion here. But going back to something you guys were saying about the fact that, you know, the not only the crime drama and the cryptid and these ghost stories, there's a real thirst I think people have to understand, not just to hear the stories of the, the supernatural, but to try to understand it and to share it. Because it's fun to share ghost stories, and I think there's something compelling about – people who commit these horrific acts. I mean, there's a reason that like crime podcasts are on the rise and like people are interested in these deep investigations of stories. And, you know, it's been something that's been around. So, but I think these just, it's something that appeals to really, you know, they're, they're popular stories. People want to hear them and understand them. So what do you guys have coming up? Is there anything really, cool coming up that that you would like people to know about uh, in the next few weeks oh yeah we have our uh halloween special show our second annual one so we got a pretty good murder one coming up for that and then we're we're gonna have another episode being released here in a day or so after i edit it (laughs) after i have edited for four days already and uh you know we're always kind of having um 
you know, new topics. We try not to have like, you know, two murders in a row or two ghosts or alien stories in a row. So we try to change it up and try to make, you know, if you're coming back next week, you're going to get a, you know, maybe a funnier, funnier kind of goofy one or next, the week after that, you're going to get like a really gruesome. And we haven't set a date for it yet, but there will be a battle royale. Of the Lee Harvey Oswald slash, yeah. you know, the man who really killed no. JFK. And Michael's going to present his fake news. Oh, yeah, we are doing a JFK. And um, <laughs> try, to, try to trick That's everyone with their lies. That's oh coming up. We haven't set a date for it yet. We're, we're studying. We're, we're, we're getting our ducks in a row. As you all kind of mentioned earlier, uh, Henry Lee Lucas is kind of our... Uh, golden prize at the end of our thing we've that's our that's our guy that's our homie not exactly not well you know he is, yeah. he is our banner on our twitter account let's <laughs> let's be fair like santa Ana was for us like a deep we really did the, the big deep in that's been one of the ones we're like what a what a crazy story about this guy so we get it we get it like from the beginning michael wanted to do henry lee lucas and i was like let's get a few under our belts let's let's get better at this then we'll do it. Because yeah. I just read a book on it, like when we started. Like, let's do this. And you know, kind of to, to what you said when you led into this this topic, was I think people li- love to know why people did certain things. I think, at, at least with the the actual murders, murders yeah. I think that's so important for people to realize. Okay, I'm nothing like that, and so I can relax, or I can point that out, or I can see and, that. And I think on the other side of that, why the uh, you know the ghosts or the aliens or the monsters are so interesting uh, is like you don't know why and kind of like with true crime you have an explanation for it but like today you know you can pick up your phone and google literally anything in the world and have you know the library of alexandria at your fingertips in a heartbeat but you can't really explain what you saw in the sky last night or what that horned beast was down by lake worth you know and so these are kind of things we don't have answers for we can't just google it real fast and find it in this you know instant satisfaction society now but now would nowadays we have to stop and think about it. is that real is that true have I experienced it like that I think that's kind of something that uh especially in these times as we know more and more and more we think we know I think that's going to be a more um, people are more interested in stuff like that wow they were airships is what they were airships <laughs> they were aliens airships in the sky no no, no, no. <laughs> what you saw was Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, mic drop from Scott. <laughs> I, I will say uh, just something that uh, you said in passing a minute ago, but um, I would agree that it's always best to uh, space out your murders. Yeah. yeah. We did We did a couple where it was like, we just did like three child murders in a row. We might need to take a break for a bit. Lend <laughs> your palate. Yeah, and then we. I think we had like a... A goofy one over that, yeah. But sometimes you just kind of get on that roll where it's like, you know, you're researching for one case or one topic, and then you find all these other goodies that are kind of related to that one. And you're like, oh, I want to do this other story about this guy. Or the... Maybe not goodies. Okay, maybe not goodies, <laughs> but interesting <laughs> tidbits of facts. Well, it's the, the unsolved ones are the ones that are the, 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 the toughest ones. Absolutely. So, Servant Girl Annihilator, you can take comfort in the fact that that person is dead now. So... Ultimately, Maybe. probably was scalped by Indians at some point. Probably. So, um, but you know, exactly. it, you know, and maybe the 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 Moonlight Murderer is probably dead. Uh, you know that that's that's happened quite a while ago. But it's the it's the you know the Killing Fields murders plural. There's like there's somebody out there killing people and dumping oh, yeah. them outside of Texas City. You know, <laughs> that's, still, what's, that's what's frightening. The rate of bodies being dumped out there is uh, obscene. Yeah, and uh, yeah. 
Well, what a well, note to well, end on. Well, kudos, kudos for tackling <laughs> some, kudos for tackling some of the subjects that we're. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's fun. We try to make it not depressing. Is our like you know it's try to keep it a little light and at times. You can, you can always tackle the curse of the Von Eriks. So. Oh yeah, golly. Yeah, we whenever we do our murder shows, we don't make fun of the victims. We make fun of the jerks that are responsible for it and the people that screwed it up and so that's what we make fun of that's the jokes it's not anything worse than that so it's a fun it's a fun show and and as a fair warning your your show is not pg like ours is so uh don't don't pop it in don't pop it in when you're yeah not don't pop it in when you're making that trip from houston to, to to dallas with your kids in the minivan uh not not necessarily appropriate to do that but if you are driving to work and you're okay with that the little salty language, you guys, you guys take, do a good job with that. Yeah, just don't tell my mom. <laughs> don't tell mom. <laughs> All right. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. We'd like to thank our very special guests, Michael and Michael, from the Texas Files podcast. You can find their show at soundcloud.com slash thetxfiles or by searching iTunes for thetxfiles. And why not go to their Twitter and follow them there at txfiles. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. Um, I don't post anymore or tweet, but I am at maxsham 2 <laughs> And I am Scotticus. You love this show, you love ghost stories, and you love true crime narratives in podcast format. So tell your friends about our show and their show, and go leave some reviews on iTunes, because that helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, go visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it ranger. Uh, We hope that you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas... Texas wants you anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs>